Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with owner and musician Alan Stribling at Kansas City's new Uptown Lounge. Originally from Kansas City, he cut his teeth on the San Diego jazz scene. He took on the task of rehabbing the old Davies Uptown location and turned it into a new jazz club in Midtown called the Uptown Lounge. He delves into history, the club, plans, and so much more. Enjoy. Good. Hey, thanks for taking a minute out. I appreciate it. You bet. So before we kind of orchestrate a timeline to when the Uptown Lounge was opened up, I'm curious about your history and your past leading up to getting to a point of, you know, being a musician and being a business owner. So the first thing I'd like to get into is where were you born and raised and kind of what was your childhood like to give you these seeds and motivation? Well, I grew up here in Kansas City. I was uh, born in South Carolina, but moved here when I was less than two years old. So always had a thing for music. Uh, started My father was a classical pianist, and I started uh, picking up the keyboard when I was about four, four or five years old and started taking lessons when I was six and just kind of maintained that through throughout my high school career. Played in the everything from the marching band to the jazz band. Had some really good uh, influencers along the way in, in terms of private instruction and teachers that uh, that really helped me along. So talk to me a little bit about influences. Who were some musical influences for you that have kind of in, been in you that you try to emulate throughout the years? Well, probably the most important influence on, on my musical life was a guy named Harry Jenks when I was about uh, 10 to 12 years old. He was a well-known jazz pianist in the Kansas City area. I used to play the organ for the Royals. and um, He was a, a neighbor of mine who kind of took me under his wing to teach me a lot about uh, all kinds of different music. I studied under him for a couple of years until his passing in 1980, I think it was, 1979. After that, um, you know, went through high school and um, met, uh, as, as I started turning towards the business world, Late in the 80s and early in the 90s, I found myself in San Diego, California, uh, where I met uh, another mentor and, and uh, influencer on my music. And his name is Michael Rora, who uh, works with me as a partner in the Uptown Lounge now and is featured there Friday and Saturday nights. But he showed me what music could be in terms of performing and singing and being an entertainer as much as a musician. And I started doing piano bar gigs uh, around the San Diego, California area for a couple, three years after we met. Ended up on cruise ships after that, playing piano. And then found myself back in Kansas City in the late 90s, uh, where I started playing at the Raphael Hotel, uh, which is now Chaz. And I played there for about 10 years before uh, uh, before leaving that gig. And went from there to other gigs here and there in the Kansas City area one of which was the piano room down in Warnell, which was a lot of fun and gave me a lot of experience and, and had, a, had a good time doing that. So talk to me a little bit about some of the cats that maybe you caught that were influential in Kansas City. I mean, you're talking about a timeline where, you know, Jay McShann, you know, there was a lot of people that were active. What was kind of your involvement with either watching or being involved <clears throat> in the Kansas City scene as, you know, you've been in this town and grown up? 
Well, it's funny. It was as I was working at the Raphael. You know, I was working there about three days a week, and never really had time to meet too many people in the jazz community or in the music community in Kansas City because I was too busy working a gig. But I did get to know a few people, among which were uh, Gerald Spates and Ray DeMarchi. They become uh, friends, and I've worked with them uh, quite a bit in the in the time since then. But I was also also aware of uh, and and had seen. Uh, you know, fellows like Joe Cartwright playing, and uh, Dave McCubbin was a great, uh, great friend, and, and and we miss him. He he passed away several years ago, but worked at the uh, piano room, and also uh, was a substitute for me quite often down at the Raphael during my tenure there. And so I, I got to know a few people, but nowhere near the amount of people that I've met since uh, we opened the Uptown Lounge. So what was San Diego like at that time? Well, if you've ever been there, you know the weather's perfect and it's a beautiful place to live. But I uh, was out there for most of my 20s, I guess from about 1990 or 1989, 1990 up through 2000 or 1997. I considered Californians and uh, San Diego my home. And they had a lot of piano bars and they had a, a lot of lounges with live entertainment uh, that uh, that I played at while I was down there. Talk to me a little bit about the timeline. I know I remember when Davies got some smoke damage and they closed down. It was around March of 2020. How did this idea hatch of you taking that property over and turning it to what it is now? Well, I'll roll the clock back a little bit. Uh, my my good friend Mike and I had always talked about uh, you know doing a place of our own. Wouldn't that be neat? We'd love to do that. And so we kind of always had it in the back of our minds. And then uh, when Mike moved up here at the start of COVID, um, to be closer to his family in Boonville, uh, we started actually looking for a space and, and looked looked quite a while for for something casually, and then uh, met met a lady named Pam who was the owner of the building and the landlord for the um, you know what used to be Davies, and we struck up a conversation. I told her what my vision was and what we wanted to do with it, and she helped facilitate that by. Uh, leasing us the property and allowing us a chance to restore the building and restore it to, you know, back to what it could be after the fire damage, of course. And uh, we struck up a good relationship, and I've been working with her to help, uh, you know, clean up the rest of the building, and uh, we opened up our doors. I think we started construction in around September of 2021, maybe October of 2021, and we opened up in uh, June of I think June 20th was our grand opening date uh, this year. So what was the cleanup like? How extensive and, and what was kind of your vision of turning it into what it is now? Well, I, you know, we wanted to do a, we wanted to do a music venue there and continue the, the tradition of music in that, in that part of the city. And it needed a lot of, uh, you know, smoke damage restoration and water damage from the fire department putting out the fire. You know, there's a lot of damage to the flooring and the substructure that we, you know, we fixed all that up and, and got it got it cleaned up and then did the tenant finish in our space. And uh, my partner, Mike, was uh, instrumental in designing and, and uh, you know, picking out the colors and the details and things like that. And I used my construction backgrounds to... Um, get the work done and get it built as quickly as possible. It just took us a little bit longer than we thought to get to the finish line. So you got a unique setup. You're, you know, you're, when, when I was in there the night, I saw it. You were on the keys. You had a bartender that was singing. I know that the, the <laughs> focus is jazz. There's, there's a lot going on. So what is kind of the, the music map and what's the vision and what is happening now? We do quite a bit of jazz. Uh, we currently are, are, uh, 
schedule is an open jam night on Tuesdays, which has been very successful and been growing since we opened that. And that features, you know, all kinds of talent from around the city, uh, people that are, are, are well-known and actively gigging that just want a place to come hang out after their their sets over or, you know, seeing new, fresh new talent that uh, that wants to take a take some time on the stage or maybe practice their craft a little bit in that. So Tuesdays is is a jazz day for us. Wednesday is also what I would consider a jazz day for us, uh, where we have been featuring the Women in Jazz series since uh, the start of November, and that took us through to the end of the year, and then we're going to be moving on to another, uh, some different programming for Wednesday. Um, Thursday, is kind of an experimental day where we may give opportunities to some acts that we haven't heard before or haven't heard much of uh, and giving them an opportunity to shine and and uh, show us what they've got. And then Friday and Saturdays is uh, uh, where Mike and I perform. I perform from 7 to 9 p.m. and Mike takes over at 9 and goes till about 1 o'clock. And we do a variety of different things that uh, – some wouldn't consider necessarily jazz, but definitely jazz-influenced uh, music. Um, but we'll do anything from Billy Joel, Elton John type stuff to standards from the American Songbook and, and everything in between. What does it mean to be a part of, you know, Kansas City's really been on a revival, you know, as of, you know, the last 10, 15 years with the Green Lady, the Blue Room, all of these clubs. There's a lot going on. What does it mean to be a part of that, you know, uh, a scene that's doing really well? There's a lot of musicians, a lot of musicians coming here. What does it mean to be a part of that? Well, it's really an honor to be a part of that in a, in a, in a city with such uh, a diverse musical background. And it's it's been a real treat for me to meet uh, as many people as I have met since we opened our doors and to recognize just the staggering amount of talent that this city has and uh we're real excited and pleased to be one of the venues that helps uh, bring some of that talent to to bear on, on, you know, giving people the opportunity to experience it and hear some fantastic music from some incredibly talented people. And uh, it is it is a remarkable city to be a part of, and it's just amazing how much talent there really is out there. So if anybody out there wants to know the schedule, anything more about the club, anything related to what's going on now and into the future, where's the best place for them to go and figure that out? Well, they can go to our website at uh, www.uptownloungekc.com uh, or friend us on Facebook and they'll get the daily daily uh, alerts and what's going on and who's on the schedule and, and what's coming up. And, and that's that's definitely the best way to do it. We're also on Instagram. And you can uh, find all those links on our website at uh, www.uptownloungekc.com. Well, I can vouch for the fact that it's wonderful. It has a great environment. I'm so glad to see another jazz club in there. I was very impressed. So thank you for taking time out today to talk about it. Good luck with everything and uh, being a part of the jazz scene here. I really appreciate that. And thank you for taking the time to speak with me and giving me the opportunity to talk about it. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest clubs and players in Kansas City and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Alan for his time, energy, and cool. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino in the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. I'm all out of love. I'm so lost without you, though you were right.
Neon Jazz.